But our top story today involves the state of California passing the clean fleet rule and what that means for trucking companies in California. John Kingston, our editor-at-large, joins us now. John, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, as you look at this, this we knew this was going to be approved at some point, but uh, kind of give us an overview of what's happened here with this clean fleet rule and how it's going to change the rules here for trucking companies in California. That vest, too. I haven't worn it yet. You like it? Is it comfortable? It I good? do. I do like it, yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll I'll wear it then. Anyway, um, yeah. So the so the yeah the advanced clean fleet rule was approved by CARB last week. It was not really a surprise. It was fully expected. The changes that they made uh, were made like in a get my timing straight here. You know, several months ago. Um, now I, I read a couple of things over the weekend. Oh, look, I haven't been able to dive into the whole rule. Um, that there may have been some changes at the end there, particularly involving even smaller fleets. We'll have to look on that. I mean, but the core of this is that the headline number that you know the general media picked up was that uh, no new diesel sales uh, after 2036. It's significant, but really, what's more important are the milestones, and the milestones are essentially a pathway uh, by which the the percentage of fleets need to be ZEV zero emission vehicle, you know, X percent by a certain number, following percent by a certain number. It's, the, the table is actually in the story I wrote for Freightwaves. So 2036 is yeah, kind of like the final number, but uh, it's not like you can be 0% ZEV prior to that and then have to be 100% on January 1st, 2036. So um, it's it's kind of a long road to get there, but it's, it's a gradual uh, step to get there. The, the most immediate impact, absolutely, and we've always known this, is going to be in drainage. Uh, there, you cannot register a new ZEV a non-ZEV vehicle, essentially a new an internal combustion engine vehicle into the drayage registry after January 1st. At the same time, uh, there's there's a definition for useful life, which is a, f- a function of how old the truck is, um, how many miles it has on it, you know, which comes first. Uh, and so every year, new new excuse me, existing ICE vehicles are going to fall out of the registry because they're just too old or too many miles. And then the question here is, will there be enough new ZEVs to replace them? Right now, I mean, the numbers on the numbers of, of, of trucks that are going to fall out of the registry, I'm pretty sure are over a thousand. And um, you know, you're going to get a thousand new ZEVs in there by the start of the year. You know, that's a, that's a real stretch. Let me let me. I do want to say one thing. You know, drayage because it does go fewer miles and always kind of returns back to base in the evening. You where you're going to really need hydrogen for long haul long haul trucks. You can envision a role for batteries on a drayage vehicle because the mileage, the range is not quite as bad, and the uh, the charging can be done every evening when you come back to base. So this is a really radical step. It really is, and uh, we're just going to have to see how it all plays out. I will say that the um, uh, it's going to be interesting to see if. If there's any kind of provision ever made for internal combustion engines that do nothing but run renewable diesel, which can be viewed as carbon-free, carbon emission-free, there's a long way to go. This is certainly the start. 
That was going to be my exact next question, John, is what this looks like when you're talking about internal combustion engines that operate on alternative fuels or those cleaner versions of diesel. When we're talking about either going electric or using those alternative fuels, obviously infrastructure to support this really has to come front of mind. And that's lacking in a lot of places, especially around the ports, which typically are in lower income spaces that don't see that infrastructure built out. Is that something that we're looking at as well? And is CARB taking a look at this and saying, okay, you know what, if we're going to require this, then we're also going to put forth some support to help develop that infrastructure? Or are they just saying, you know what, you're on your own? Oh, no. I mean, look, there, there's, there are all sorts of grants um, and credits for building infrastructure, new vehicles, that kind of thing. They're not just saying you're on your own. The question is whether they will be enough to uh, to meet the needs. Matt Schrapp, who is the head of the Harbor Trucking Association, who, by the way, is going to be uh, having a fireside panel discussion with myself and a gentleman from Cummins in Cleveland in June, You know, he, this is the point he keeps making, that the infrastructure is just not there. And yes, there are all sorts of provisions to to make sure that it's there. You know, like I said, tax breaks and and other incentives. And companies have announced things. Um, but will it be enough? Here's the thing: maybe it'll be enough for the vehicles, the number of vehicles that are going to come into it. But then the question is: Are the number of vehicles that are going to come into it going to be enough to offset the numbers that are going to fall off, uh, fall off because they, they've hit their end of their useful life? That's really the equation right now. I mean, we've got a ways to go. Until uh, these all the, the existing ICE vehicles phase out in the drainage sector, they don't all have to go away. You just can't buy a new one. But um, if you've got an existing truck that's maybe seven years old, you know, you've still got a few more useful years on it. John, as you look at this, obviously, California has adopted this particular rule, and it's going to have its, its its course to try and you know, be filled in as well. Of course, we've already talked about infrastructure. But one thing you also mentioned in the article is that other states may follow suit with this, including Oregon, Massachusetts, Vermont and New Jersey and your state of New York. How do you think this is going to follow in those states as well if they decide to pick up the flag and run with it? Well, this always gets down to what I, I was first introduced to about 30 years ago as the, what's called the two-car problem. And in the early uh, 90s, um, <clears throat> California, because it's got this sort of waiver that it can kind of do its own thing on, on vehicle emissions and vehicle regulations, had rules on cars that were more, more stringent that were coming out down the pike for the rest of the country. And what the automakers just did not want to do is build two cars, one for California, one for the other 49 states. Now, we're at the, we're at the point here with the, uh, with the advanced clean fleets rule that you're not just talking about 49 versus one. You're talking about about line of 43. I don't know the number offhand, about you know 43 versus seven. And the seven would be some pretty significant uh, population centers like New York, like New Jersey, like Massachusetts, uh, Washington is a decent sized state, um, and so that you know that this is this is the whole 800 pound gorilla thing. The 800 pound gorilla may in fact drag the rest of the country with it, and this may not just be a California rule over time because the automakers they're not going to walk away from this from the California market. It's not going to happen. This is the world's fifth or sixth biggest economy. Nobody is shutting them out. And so then the question becomes in Detroit, well, what do I do? Do I build vehicles for the rest of the country, you know, all, all internal combustion engine vehicles for the rest of the country and ZEVs for California? Uh, do I completely ignore the ZEV market and I'll just build ICE vehicles and let somebody else take the ZEVs? Or do I just say, you know what, California is establishing, uh, establishing the route for everybody else and we might as well just get on board. These are all the things that, you know, that we're going to have to play out. I will say this. Back to my point of 30 years ago, 
I remember the, the argument was between LEV vehicles, low emission vehicles, and ULEVs, ultra low emission vehicles, which is what was going to be needed in California. I can tell you that right now, every car sold in America is a ULEV. So John, really quickly before we let you go, how long before we see this start to overreach into the actual development of the ZEVs themselves? Obviously, when we talk about companies tracking their emissions, we look at now tracking scope two and scope three emissions, reporting from your suppliers, your manufacturers, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think that we get to a point where maybe California overreaches so much and they say, hey, you have a ZEV, it's gotta be made now with as few emissions as possible as well. Uh, I you know. They, they, I will say this: that in the in the revised rules that were finally approved, the revisions from a few months ago did involve a lot more leeway on uh, on the rules. Like if if you could show that the infrastructure couldn't be developed, if you could show that I ordered a truck, a ZEV truck, but they couldn't deliver it on time, uh, you get a lot more uh, dispensation. So that's kind of I don't know if that's answering your question, but it, it, they they already have shown a little bit of flexibility here, and you know they can they can show some more. You know I. The, the, the California low carbon fuel standard, when they introduced that, they, you know, they, they weren't going to have a cap on the price of credits. Guess what? They have a cap on the price of credits. So, I mean, they, they can be rather flexible. Um, I do want to say something, and I may have said this on an earlier, uh, an earlier appearance, but I heard a consultant talking a few weeks ago, and he was saying that, you know, they would go into California and they would say, hey, you can't do this because no, no trucks will come here. It'll be terrible. And the regulators would say, that's what you said the last time. And this <laughs> kind of goes back to the fact that this is a very, very big economy and nobody really wants to turn their back on it. Mm -hmm. At the same time, what they are doing there here is really more ambitious than most other environmental regulations. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. It's going to be a very interesting story to follow over the next, over the next few months and years as well. John, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. You can catch more of John Kingston on Drilling Deep every Friday afternoon. Right now, we're going to toss things over to the wall. We've got our first carrier update in the morning from Tony Mulvey and Donnie Gilbert.